You are listening to GTFO, Get the Fad Out, a modern girl's guide to dieting. Hey, hey, everybody. All right, today is Monday yet again, and here we are. So I thought today would be a great day to, this is going to be so helpful for, it doesn't matter where you're at, if you're new, you're brand new to like wanting to get your lifestyle together, getting that nutrition nailed down, or even if you've been doing this for a long time and maybe you're jumping back in the game or something, and you just want to really fine tune your preciseness of nutrition because we know that nutrition is the lead driver of your results, like how how you get the body that you're walking around with or want to. Um, and you know, there's so much that goes into it and that variables that can be at play that you can almost miss up and not even know it. And so, um, especially if you're not, um, if you, you know, you're not real seasoned in tracking your intake or what that looks like. And so specifically what we're going to talk about today is going to be like the measuring aspect of food. And maybe some, you'll learn some things that you didn't know, maybe some things that you were getting wrong and that you, you know, were contributing to stalling progress or halting progress progress, um, where you weren't seeing a lot of results despite your, you know, efforts and things like that. So we're just going to kind of dive into a few of the main things. There's probably going to be so much more that we can discuss in this, but, um, I want to hit like the main things that I see most often, and hopefully that will help you guys along. But hopefully you guys had another great weekend. It's still freaking hot. We're still all dying. The world is burning up alive and somehow it's not killing the grass that I'm staring at. So that's weird. I feel like we should at least get a little burnt grass so we don't have to mow as much or something in return for this fireball that is just, oh, sometimes I know, like when I walk outside, I'm like, I don't know if I can breathe. It's so heavy and thick. Um, Hopefully you guys are staying cool. We still got weeks to go, y'all. We're about to head into fall whatever that means, August, so hot, um, and all of the crazy, um, things that are going to be coming. I'm already doing like back to school shopping stuff. I'm sure many of you probably, a lot of you are already done because that's how you function in life. And, um, that is one thing that is, <laughs> I got to get excited in a way because I'm like, Oh, here it comes. Kids are going back to school. And there's one part of that, a huge part of that, that is like tough and hard because it's just more crammed things than a schedule of already busy schedule. But then the other side of it is like, yes, these kids need socialization. They need to see their friends often. They need to be learning because what I'm teaching them is not going to help them along in life. Um, and um, they can have like the social things and the, you know, really the things they need every day um, that you learn in life from being around people and environments like that, I think are just so important. And so I'll be, I'm one of those people that is like, yeah, summer's great. It's awesome. Um, we need the downtime and it's, it's great to have like a change of structure. Although for, you know, if you're like me, work from home or just work, um, you know, kids being out of school can make things really tricky. You're working all year long and it's hard. And then, you know, the systems change or the schedules change and it just kind of seems to make your life a little bit tougher where you're still having to hustle, but you're having to rearrange and move things around. And so, you know, it's just that shift. And I don't know. I, I'm a fan of change in some ways. So like, I love, you know, the new season that comes along or, you know, and then once we hit like school start, then we'll hit into like the real depths of fall and be headed into like holidays and stuff. I just like change like that. Cause, and you know, it's coming, 
you know what's coming. So I, I like to just like go with the flow and dive into whatever's uh, happening at the time. But I've been doing a little bit of the back to school shopping. It's got me excited, buying the kids new underwear and such, getting ready to send them off. So that's what we've kind of been doing. So hopefully you guys are getting along well. But let's dive into the episode. Okay, so we've talked about, um, you know, the mistakes or um, the halts we can see in progress, like the mistakes that we can make in our efforts, um, specifically speaking, like tracking, if you are a calorie counter or macronutrient counter, um, that kind of thing, you are going to obviously have a little uh, skill in this or learning it. And there's just so often times that I see even seasoned you know, dieters that have been tracking these things for a while, never stopping to realize, or maybe they weren't educated or they just missed it, um, or confused because gosh, there's so much information being spread out all the time on the internet and social media and tips here and there that are just like, honestly, like wrong or completely opposite of what you're supposed to be doing if you want to be accurate. So, um, there, there's ways to be really precise and accurate as much as possible. There are going to be so many things outside of your control, uh, meaning you won't be able to always accurately like to the gram or to the calorie. No, because it just isn't provided to you or the circumstance didn't allow for it, or you just got it wrong. And these things, you know, on their own, like singularly are not that huge of a deal. Like in the sense of like, okay, let's say you, um, you know, for you, it's maintenance numbers are going to be like 1900 calories. So we might put you at like, let's say 1600 calories for a deficit. That's a nice, good deficit there, but that's about 300 calories a day. It's going to add up through each day and through the end of the week. And then of course, times four weeks, you've got, you know, thousands of calories deficit as far as that goes so you have some range if that makes sense like so let's say one day uh you know your, your targets are 1600 and you're hitting those but one day you go like accidentally go to 1900 because you've either missed tracking or you over consumed intentionally or whatever it be um you're probably not gonna have any trouble continuing losing weight like you're still in general in a deficit because there's going to be variations in that however where we see the problem mostly is whenever there's mistracking and those those small little things that you're missing um, add up. So like maybe you won't notice it on Tuesday, but if over the course of a month you've had you know 500 calories worth on the weekend intake above what you intended, like you didn't realize it either because of mistracking or um, the nutritional information that was provided to you was wrong. Just like that's all you have to go off of. Um, you know, those things are going to add up. So like, even if you stayed in your deficit, 1600 calories, you know, four of the days of the week, or let's say 60% of the month, but those little mishaps were adding up that you didn't even know, or were just tracking wrong, we're adding up. And now it's taking you not only back into maintenance numbers calorically, even though you didn't know, so often taking you into a surplus where now you're gaining weight despite your tracking, despite your efforts, despite your hustle and all that stuff. And that's just, God, that sucks so bad to be putting in the work and not getting the result um, that you want. On the other end of it, I see a lot of people that um, I get a lot of clients that are like, yeah, 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 no, I want to be precise because, yeah, obviously, um, I hate how slow this road to my weight loss is. So precise is obviously the quickest way. 
But then in their action steps, they're still guessing all day, often, evening, dinners, weekends, uh, things like that. And they're like, yeah, okay, I had some apples and peanut butter last night. Okay, but what do you think you had? Well, I think I probably had a serving of peanut butter and like an apple. So maybe like 300 calories, you know, there. But in reality, you don't know what two tablespoons of peanut butter looks like because it's like nothing. It's literally like nothing. And so you've underestimated, underreported, because that sounds better to you. That's easier to accept. <laughs> and you didn't measure. And all to find out, maybe you were eating 500 calories when you reported, you know, 300. And that in and of itself maybe is not the, the, the thing that's taking you out of the deficit, but it's that three times a week or five times a week or one really big splurge that you just really got wrong is totally undoing all your week's worth or all your month's worth adding up, you know, compounding over time. And so that's what we're talking about is if you're already putting in the work and you're already putting in effort, why not be precise? Why not put it towards something so you have done everything humanly possible and reasonable to ensure you've checked your boxes, that you are successful today. And that way you can trust the process so much easier. And I find that a lot of people that struggle to trust their own process of like, oh, am I making progress? Am I doing it wrong? Am I, what's going on? Why am I only lost, you know, this much weight is they're unrealistic and they are not precise. They're not willing to do the things that are actually going to make the road faster simply because it's got a few more annoying steps. And to me, I'd rather take a few more annoying steps now so that I can guarantee my results later. So that's what we're going to discuss today. I'm just going to hit on a few. There's a ton more, but hopefully you'll at least see some of these things maybe that you're mistaken and you're measuring and tracking. And, and this is going to be really specific to those people that are weighing and measuring food and tracking, obviously. Um, outside of that, it's really hard to measure what's not managed. Or, or to manage what's not measured, rather, uh, because you don't have anything to go off. Of. And I've said this many, many times in lots of podcasts and inner circle and posts before is, you know, you can't really say, like, I'll just do better. Well, where's the mark to, where's the marker of measurement? Where's the target to go off of? Because I'll just do better than my usual. You don't even know what your usual is. So this is very specific to those that are wanting to track their food and intake and measuring that appropriately on all the times they can. The flip side of this is going to be those times that you can't measure. Maybe you're at an event and you can't truly measure. And I, I don't blame anyone that doesn't want to take around a, me- a food scale. Okay. I don't, I get it. Um, and, and I don't think there's anything wrong if you want to. It's just about what you want to do and how you want to get to your goals and what time frame and what that looks like to you in your everyday life and what you're comfortable with. But there's always a trade-out. So if you're not comfortable with precise, you've got to accept and be comfortable with slow and maybe no progress at all except for the foundational pieces of building a lifestyle and regimens. That may be all you get out of this if you're not willing to do some of the more precise work. Neither is wrong. It's just what, you know, is up to you and what fits your mindset, your efforts, your life for right now, what you want to do. But we see so often that people want what they aren't willing to work for. And so that's obviously not what we're discussing today. Uh, We're talking about being precise, mistakes in measurements, very common mistakes in measurements that are very easy to fix. So let's dive into that. Okay, I'm going to start with the biggest one 
of all that I see all the time. In fact, I will see it so often. I will talk about it. I will make posts about it. I will even one-on-one have discussions about it. And this still is almost like a mind block. Like, it's just like, no, I'm not doing that. I'm not accepting it. But you got to know. So whenever you're looking at food, particularly meat, uh, a lot, obviously, like most people in general are getting their meat from or their protein from meat sources. And by the way, uh, animal protein is the top tier protein uh, that you can intake, meaning it's going to be the most beneficial to you um, outside of like whey proteins and, uh, you know, even vegan options and things like that. Um, Animal protein is the top tier protein. So if you're concerned or want the most optimal thing, you're obviously going to choose animal protein. But that's just a little tidbit of information. Doesn't mean that suboptimal is wrong or that it won't give you results. It just means that that is the most optimal choice. Suboptimal uh, that is consistent works well as well. So don't get too caught up in that, but just a little tidbit. So for those that are focusing on protein and tracking their intake and tracking that macronutrient in particular, obviously you're gonna be very versed and be spending a lot of time on the food scale in regards to meat. When you're measuring meat, as far as the label goes, the nutritional facts on there are going to be for raw. So when you look at that nutritional label and it says 96 four ground beef, four ounces is 140 calories and 24 grams of protein or whatever it is. Um, That is in the raw state. So in the best case scenario, the most optimal ideal scenario, you would be weighing your meat raw before you're cooking it because four ounces of raw is not going to be four ounces of cooked in meat. So meat is going to shrink in size and volume weight. Um, And so if you were to take four ounces of 96.4 beef raw, okay, and then you would cook it, depending on the form you're cooking it with, whether it's pan fried, you're baking it, whether you're air frying it, whatever, boiling it, steaming it, all of these methods of cooking are going to change the weight and they will all be different. So that means, let's for, say for example, you took that four ounces of raw beef and you pan seared it, cooked it thoroughly, and now you might have, and this is, I'm not, this is not accurate because I'm just throwing it out, and the way you cooked it to the uh, temperature you cooked it is going to be, let's say, as a guess, uh, let's say it's 2.9 ounces. So what I see so many people do is not understand that that is raw weight nutritional fact information. So then they will cook meat and then measure out four ounces cooked in whatever style they measure, or whether it's the grill or the, the skillet or whatever. Now what's likely happening, and 100% you're over-consuming what you're measuring, you may be thinking you're eating four ounces of meat, of 96, four, you know, 140 calories, but it's likely you're eating six or seven or even eight ounces Truly, so you could be eating 500 plus or whatever calories from that sitting, but only logging it as like you know 140 or 200 or whatever you know your measurements are that you're intaking, and that's how we get in trouble. The other side of it is again, there are different forms of food are going to weigh differently. So like pasta is going to um, like 
it's going to change in weight as well. All food is going to, obviously. So meat, though, is one of those that's going to shrink. Veggies are ones that are going to shrink. Other things get bigger. It's, it's, it's all going to be different. And so don't let that confuse you or be like, oh my gosh. What, when you know better, you can do better. And so now you can proceed forward with that. And what I like to do, and, and this is what I, I teach my girls to do in the inner circle. This is what I do one-on-one coaching with. This is what I do myself. To make it a lot easier is to create a food log of these measurements. Because, okay, listen, you, um, you know, you in an ideal world as well, you'd only want to do these measurements once. And you can get away with doing that. Because maybe in the future you don't want to sit there and weigh your meat raw and then cook it in a separate pan. I do this often because it, to me it's the same as if I have a skillet going for one the rest of the family, they're not tracking their food or, or maybe they need more or whatever it is. I only am measuring mine out and I just get a little tiny, I get little tiny skillet, single serving saucepans of skeleton. That is easy for me to do with the way my life is structured. I work from home. Um, I, in the evenings, you know, with the kids and stuff. So I do my planning a bit different and I don't mind taking the extra time to ensure I'm precise because I can stick to my goals better and um, I get results better. So I'm, I'm willing to do that. But for you, if you're not, and you don't want to all the time, it's always good to have a record. So I encourage them to make a food log of the common foods that you cook and the way you commonly cook them. Um, And so let's say, for instance, you're doing that 96-4 beef, and okay, great. Maybe you're doing just like sauteed, you know, in the skillet or something like that. So do it once. Measure it after, right? So you've measured your four ounces raw, you've cooked it up the way you like it, the way you normally do. Now throw it back on the scale cooked and you can have a sheet and I make little PDFs for my girls so they can like tape them inside of their, you know, cabinets or whatever. Um, and you can put, okay, 96, four B four ounces raw equals this much skillet cooked. Okay. Now you've done it. So in the future you can skillet cook a whole bulk of meat up of the 96, four meat and measure it after. You can put what you want on your plate after, already cooked, because you have that log to go back to. Now, if you bake it, if you do something different, log that as well. And if over time, you'll just measure these things once, these singular items, raw versus cooked, and then in the future, you just can go back, do all your bulk cooking, and look back at that and be able to create your food prep meals or your plate or you know whatever you're about to consume uh, accurately moving ahead. Now. You know, if you were to do 90-10 beef or let's say uh, chicken breast versus chicken tenderloins or, um, you know, um, whatever meat you're doing, it's going to be different. Of course, the fat content's different, the nutritional information's different, the weight's different. So again, most people commonly eat the same things. So your family's probably eating, like when you go to the store, you're probably picking out several different common meats that you typically use in varieties. You're maybe you're picking out several different varieties of vegetables that you commonly eat. You'll have some patterns here that you kind of get. And especially with the economy way it is now, and people are trying to save money, you're probably leaning more towards that way anyway. And so this could be a very easy way for you to get in the swing and just over time kind of collect at it and make it easier on yourself. And then before you know it, you'll have a whole log and you could track this stuff accurately. 
So that's just a little extra tidbit. But the meat raw thing is what I get a lot. On the other side of that meat situation is the individual pre-packaged like fillets. Like so I'll buy like tuna fillets or pre-packaged up the salmon fillets, you know, that kind of thing. People flip it over and scan it and go in their my fitness panel and go, okay, I'm doing four ounces of salmon, it's 120 calories, great, blah, blah, blah. Cook it and onward. So what you're not realizing is those prepackaged items are also not weighed and measured accurately. So what I like to do is thaw them out, take them out of their package, of course, as instructed, let them thaw out and then measure after. And that may mean I have to open up another filet to get my full amount that I want. It may mean that um, I have a little, you know, more than I want. It, it, you'll see that the, each filet will vary to some extent. And that may mean you're eating less than you're tracking. It most likely means you're eating more than you are tracking. So um, just another tidbit to like, you know, kind of generally weigh those things out, especially with the meat stuff. Um, that could be better. Now, another one, um, especially since we're talking about meat and sauteing and veggies and all these things, you know, if you're not tracking that uh, olive oil and such, it's going to blow you out of the water with the surplus. Like you cannot just drizzle oil on things and then not count it and pretend it's not happening. You can eat it and pretend it's not happening and you're still going to gain weight anyway. But just remember, these things are extremely high calorie for minuscule amounts. And if you are one of those people that's like, I want to get this olive oil in, I want to get, you know, that health benefit, fantastic. Do you. But your body is going to take in those calories either way and whether you track it or not, it's going to put them on. So unless you're making, taking into account that high calorie addition and know you are not cooking it all off, you're eating quite a bit of it, um, more than you think. Um, but I always say add it in. At least add in some because, and and then leave yourself some variations there and some flexibleness there because you're probably still taking in more than you want to. Um, I see so many people like, oh, I can't, you know, like, I don't know what's going on. I'm tracking everything. And we start looking at things and I'm like, whoa, you're putting like 500 calories a day of oil on your crap, butter and all kinds of things. And you're not tracking that. That's, that's taking you way out of your deficit and into a surplus. And that's why we're at where we're at. So another uh, super important thing to look at. Another one that I see often is people don't think that vo- like alcohol or like particularly like vodka and like clear liquids don't have calories. And they absolutely do a ton. So water is about the only thing that you're going to get a hold of that truly, you know, is going to be calorically uh, free to you. That makes sense. So um, alcohol is huge calorie. It's high calorie. Um, and a lot of people say, oh, I only had, you know, like a little bit of vodka and I put some water and lime in it or whatever, but it's still taking you out. But on the other side that of the cocktails is that people are often mistracking their cocktails. They'll go to restaurants and again, they may even look at the nutritional information that the restaurant put out there. Those things are very off, very off. And it says, okay, this is a 250 calorie drink. They log it and move on. In reality, it was five, 600 calories because that information is not accurate. Those people are not measuring your stuff and that's not the way that's working. So you see how well you not measuring your food works out. It's gonna be the same as the people behind the bar or in the back cooking your food. They're not weighing and measuring your food. So that information is 
basically void. Um, and it gives you a guideline, but it's not going to outdo if you're just totally underestimating here. Um, and so I always opt for to an easy, clear cut to me is to go, well, hey, I don't want to intake the calories anyway. And I don't want you to want sugar and juice and all the extras. Like if I'm ordering a drink, it's because I want the drink and I want to sit down and enjoy the flavors and environment and relax or whatever it is for you, you know? And um, so I'll go for like a glass of wine. It's going to be pretty basic across the board. A light beer is going to be pretty basic across the board. They're putting in the same cups, measuring the, about the same lines, you know, as they fill. And there's not a lot of extra. Other things would be like vodka, water, and lemon and lime, something like that. You know, you can very, pretty, pretty generally be like, I would like a double and be able to calculate that as two ounces of vodka or whatever it be. But you start adding in juices and you start adding in six, seven ingredients and you... You've got a very, very high calorie drink very quick. Sangrias, margaritas, these frozen drinks, and all these things have some of them upwards of a thousand calories per drink. And people are just taking two or three and then their little meals and being like, hey, I feel good. Staying on track and no, you didn't. You know, no, you didn't. So it's, it's things like that can get very carried away. And so hopefully you can kind of slim those things down, make them a little easier. It just makes it easier to track. And um, we'll, we'll pull you back a little bit more into that deficit and, of course, be more precise. And I'll end with this one is the forms of measuring. So obviously a food scale is going to be your best bet. You can get them super cheap. You can even go down to your CVS or Walgreens. I'll have them on the shelf. You can order on Amazon and get them same day delivery, whatever. Not anything you need to spend a ton of money on. You want to get um, a precise one in the sense that it will do grams and fluid ounces and milliliters and all those things that you can change back and forth because you will want to use that. So um, I also always suggest getting one you like the look of because it's going to be on your counter and you're going to be using it often. And that's just always nice and helpful to have like something you like there and obviously you're going to be staring at it often so um just a little more pleasant for you uh, so might as well get you a cute one right so that is going to be the gist of your measuring now uh aside from that you could do uh measuring cups and spoons for things like liquid that's an easy uh thing to do if you don't have access to um you know, a food scale or just want to make it a little easier on yourself. It's going to be a little uh, more accurate, of course, um, than like using just a spoon or whatnot, but the scale is going to be the best. But um, in a pinch, you can use uh, measuring spoons or cups. Now, I don't suggest using measuring cups for like things like meats or fruit or veggies or like crackers and things like this because it's just not accurate. It's it's, it's better than just eyeballing and guesstimating, but it's still going to have a lot of variation. And depending on the food you're eating, if it's really high calorie, uh, it can make, you know, a surprising effect and compound later on you um, where you don't realize, especially if you do it often. So I always prefer like for everything, whether it's chips, whether it's grapes, um, whatever it is, I use the food scale as much as I can for things like that that I need to. Um, and, and I'll be honest, like there's there's lots of things that I've been doing this for so long, I can eyeball them for pretty good. And um, things like, um, I'll use like um, light butter and sometimes I'll just wing it and then uh, see how well I'm doing, you know, in the sense of like how my guessing is going. And I can do things like that pretty well, but girls, like peanut butter is still hard. Um, I still overdo it on that uh, and some other things, but sometimes I like to play and see if I can get it myself accurately and then just see how close I am. And 
you know, over time you get really good at it. You get a lot better. Um, so, so don't be afraid to practice and, and look at that. And that's what's helpful to you in the long term. Because even if you're not going to track calories and macros for your whole life or you don't want to long term, this is the learning that you need to put in so you can get good at enough at it so that you don't have to do that later and still be precise. Okay, and let's just end with final here with this. And this doesn't really have so much to do with tracking except for the absence of it is the weekends. Like if you're not making progress, but you're doing so good all week long, Monday through Friday or even Monday through Saturday or whatever it is, but you have one big cheat meal out or um, that's kind of your designated date night. So you do what you want then. And, and that's okay. That's okay if you do that, but you may be trading out the success for it. And in some instances, I think it's good. Like that's good for you to have a life and to go do fun things and to take it in stride and take a pause. You know, that's good for mental and emotional health too. You can't diet forever or anything like that. And you shouldn't be. And I see the people that do diet cyclically and like continually, like habitually and never reverse diet or build or anything like that. They have trouble with like getting rid of cheat meals and things and like because they are just dieting really perpetually. And so they feel like they need that to get through. But in reality, if you were taking breaks throughout the seasons and the year and having different goals that were uh, going to give you a better physique anyway, because dieting, it, like I said, perpetually is not going to give you the body you want. You can only take off layers of fat and then reveal muscle that's already there. So building is good for you and you should be thinking about that and planning for that as you come into, hey, perfect time. Fall is a great time to reverse or um, even build a lot more food, a lot more fun, a lot more energy. And uh, we're usually a lot more covered up. And so, you know, sometimes you can lose weight in reverse dieting. Uh, Some people get better body composition, but ultimately you may gain a little bit of weight. And I'm talking just a few pounds here and there. Nothing anyone would notice. You will notice, but it's a whole different ballgame. So um, something to think about. But for those that do have those like off-plan meals or veering off on the weekends, even just for a meal or a few, or just simply not tracking the weekends um, and not making progress, then there's your answer right there to any stalling, you know, worries you have. If you're not making progress, that's the reason why. Like you can't just track sometimes and then guess the other and then be upset that you didn't get the results you worked for because the reality is you're over-consuming there and it's taking away all your work through the week or previous work so you're never able to see uh, what you want. And so nailing those things down is going to be high priority. And what I like to suggest, like anything, is to be progressive about it. You don't go from zero to 100. So if you're, you know, struggling on the weekend train or just getting consistent is the issue versus like you know how to track appropriately, you're doing things correctly. Um, It's just not able to get that seven-day consistency or more than not consistency is starting really slow. So maybe if Friday nights you're you know, usual, like you got to know yourself, like when do you usually go off the rails or what night do you usually do that? And just start being super mindful of that. Maybe pre-making a meal, even if it's a little heavier than you would normally track, it's better that you tracked it versus going out to eat and not tracking at all or whatever. Like give yourself some leniency and just like, how can I do a little bit better this weekend than I did last? But that's going to take um, measuring and managing a little bit. So you're going to have to do some trial error in there and go, okay, maybe if I eat a little more protein before I go out, or hey, maybe if I look at the menu before I go out, I can still indulge and do a little bit better than I have been doing and stay in line, but still have a little fun. And that would set me up better. And I can just slowly chip away at like really perfecting that and getting in line with it. And I like that idea better. Um, Another thing I like to do that I mention often is having common things on the weekends or those tricky parts. Like if you're 
uh, evening time is hard for you, even during the work week or weekends are hard for you, try to do similar things that you do on those consistent times. So maybe you'll wake up on the weekends and eat the same protein-filled breakfast. Even if you have plans to go out for lunch and dinner or your usual like outings, maybe just get one meal in line and maybe it'd be the start of the day or whatever. Get that protein going, feeling good, and often one good action or habit will set you up a little bit nicer for the rest of the day. And you might just do a little better even if you go still do those fun things or you know don't technically stay in a deficit you're still going to be chipping away at doing a little better and having just that mindset all the time so uh, that can be a good thing or you know filling in that time frame of like where you're normally bored and Netflixing or just kind of hanging around um, implement some like healthy habit steps something easy doable take a walk take a bath read your favorite chapter of a book um, we play Uno a lot around here. My youngest loves it. So we do a ton of, you know, just start creating some different habit steps and action steps in place of some of those other things. Basically, you're creating a new lifestyle for yourself. And part of that is making the optimal choice easier and up for grabs more than um, the negative things, the unbeneficial things, the things that pull you back from your goals. Make it very easy to get a hold of and, and something like, when I say that, I mean, you want, that's why we do food prep, right? Is so we can have something easy access on the go. It makes it much easier to grab that if it's made and ready to make a good choice versus if you didn't make it, you're probably going to tend towards a, a bad choice or an overindulgent choice, especially if you're really uh, hungry and haven't, you know, fueled yourself much through the day, you're going to naturally choose the easier option. So it's all about setting yourself up to make things easier, to make the most optimal choice. And that even goes for what you're doing in your schedules and your evenings and your, your weekends. Like if you want a healthy life and you want to live out like this awesome, active, full of energy, fueled, like feeling good and confident life, you're going to have to do things every day that build that, that push that along, that create that and make it easier for you to be compliant to. And so it's going to require some changes in your life. And those don't have to be anything insane. It just doesn't. Sometimes you think it does because that is like, well, it's got to be insane or it's not going to work. No, make it easy. Make it like right there in front of you so you can just grab it and go and, and, and think about how you can do that. And, and I think some of the easiest ways we can propel ourselves along is to be precise and accurate when we can because there's going to be times where we can't. There's going to be events and parties and especially in the fall coming. There's going to be lots of things you can't like completely control. And you can't control the fact that nutritional information, the FDA doesn't require preciseness uh, for restaurant nutritional information. But you can't control the rest of the time. And so you want to get really good at that. So that way, whenever those other experiences are happening, you're not worried because you've been doing good because you've been precise and you've been hustling. And so these times aren't so worrisome because I can take a time to enjoy, even if I'm just guessing, or even if I have to just go off of the foundational things that I've learned as I've been doing these things um, in my diet and regulating my intake and just like, uh, it's gonna help you either way, you know? Like, as you move ahead. So hopefully some of those are good for you. Maybe you've seen some places where you're like, yeah, I need to focus on that and get a little more um, in line and in tune with what I'm doing so that I can start making progress. But also maybe you're like coming to the realization like, yeah, okay, I've been guessing a lot and it's frustrating me the time it's taking. So I know the things that I can do to help uh, make this go along a lot faster, hit success every day 
and remain in that deficit if weight loss is the goal. Or, of course, if you're main, reversing, maintaining, or going into a build, having a proper intake is just as important and protein as well. So hopefully that is helpful to you guys today. Take that with you today. Have a great one, guys. Thanks for listening to GTFO. This is a podcast created by Fitness with Lindsay. You can contact me at www.fitnesswithlindsay.com. Thanks.